0: And today we're going to see exactly how love casts out fear as we pray for the Nineveh next door. There are so many lessons to be taken from the story of Jonah the consequences of running from God, the transformation and revelation that comes from being shut in with God, the great power of evangelism, the depths of God's great love and mercy and the links that he will go to to express it but perhaps one of the most relatable lessons in the story of Jonah is one of the most overlooked because it isn't truly expressed until the last verses of the book. In his story we see Jonah receive a mandate from God to go and deliver the word of the Lord to a cruel and heathenistic people. We might fault Jonah for running from his calling if we didn't know quite how wicked and cruel these people actually were. This was a people so vile that they actually wallpapered the walls of their cities with the skins of their enemies and lit their streets with their skulls. No wonder Jonah didn't want to be the one that was going to have to go and tell these people that they were wrong, that they had offended God, and that they would soon be destroyed unless they repented. Jonah definitely had reason to run from this people. But what he didn't have was a love in his heart for these people. Because you see, without a selfless love for them, he was easily overcome by his fear of them. Therefore, God had to drive Jonah there the hard way. So my friend, I bring you this revelation today that if we don't let the love of God drive us to obedience then it will be left up to the fear of God to do it. But the first is better than the latter. You see, in First John chapter 4, verse 18, it says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. Therefore, he that feareth is not yet made perfect in love. The Lord gave me an illustration, a visual, one day to help me to truly comprehend what this passage is saying. You see, if you were standing in your yard and a ravenous rabies ridden wolf showed up in front of you, but you knew that the door to your house was only two feet behind you and you could get to it quickly, you would instantly be overwhelmed with fear that this ravenous animal was standing in front of you and you would run back into your home and shut the door. Now, if the exact same scenario took place, but in front of you, in between you and the wolf was your child your thought process would be totally different. You would not be overwhelmed with self-concern and fear that would cause you to run away from the wolf to the safety of your home. You would be overwhelmed with love for your child that would cast out your fear of the wolf, causing you to actually run towards the danger to save the one that you love. And so we can understand that true love, agape love, selfless, sacrificial love will cast out fear and cause you to run towards a normally dangerous situation that everything within you otherwise would cause you to run away from. This was Jonah's problem. Yes, it was a dangerous situation that he was running away from because he didn't have a love in his heart for the people that might cast that fear out so that he would be driven to run towards them to bring them salvation. Because in actuality, we have to understand that the Ninevites were an enemy of the Israelites. They were political enemies. They were moral enemies. They were their religious opposition. So in this we can understand, knowing their vile wickedness, that in his heart, Jonah most likely thought that these people deserved to be destroyed. Yet God wanted to see them saved. After all, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Though God does not force our decision, he does go to great lengths to provide us with the truth and the opportunity to walk in it. Of course, we know that Jonah eventually does deliver this word of warning from the Lord. And to his great surprise, the whole nation repents. What evangelists wouldn't want that on their record? An entire nation of about half a million people brought to repentance at one time But surprisingly, Jonah actually gets upset that they repented and that God had spared them of his wrath. Jonah's judgment was wrath, but God's was mercy. Jonah thought that it discredited him and made him look like a false prophet that his warning of destruction did not have to come to pass. But in reality, it was a credit to God's great wisdom and mercy. As Jonah sits and pouts, the sun beats down on him and God causes a plant to grow up over him, which gives him shade. But then in the night, a worm comes, which represents sin and it kills the plant. Then the sun rises the next day and Jonah is sorrowful for the loss of the plant, to which God points out to him. That Jonah actually has more love and pity in him for this plant in whom he had no hand or labor in raising than he did for all of these people in whom he had ministered to suffered and labored for. You see the worm represented the sin that came within that plant. The plant had nothing to do with it. It was corrupted from within and it withered and died. And Jonah was so sorrowful that he had lost this plant because it provided him some shade. But he didn't even have as much mercy or pity for the people that God so desperately wanted to use him to save. Believe it or not, we as Christians sometimes do the same. It's easier for us to have pity on those we don't actually know than on the people that are close to us, the ones of whom we are aware of the depths of their wickedness and their evil deeds. We become numb to the ones that we see daily, the Nineveh next door. It's easier, I think, for us to have a heart to evangelize a heathenistic people in a faraway part of the world than it is for us to go and reach out to the ghetto down the street or the drug addict, or the prostitute, or the prisoners, or any of the least of these that are near to us, or the atheists, or the one with the opposite political views, or the ones you know that hate you. We may say that we pray for our enemies, or for the wicked, the heathenistic, or the destitute people, or we pray for them in faraway countries, Yet when they come to our church, oftentimes we pout and sneer and gossip and slander and ignore them because we have already determined that they are not worthy of saving. How easily we forget that Luke chapter 5 verse 31 says, And Jesus answered unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Remember that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should be brought to repentance. Jesus suffered, sacrificed, was tortured, mocked, shamed, beat, bled, and died for all. He paid a very high price to purchase this gift of salvation and sonship. Who do we think that we are to think that we get to choose who receives it? It is a gift to all, and we are commanded to share it with all that are lost. Not just the ones that we love, but the ones that God loves. The prisoner, the homeless, the poor, the helpless, the hopeless, the wicked, the wounded, the stranger, the foreigner, male, female, red, yellow, black, and white, all are precious in his sight. So if you are truly the body of Christ, then they should be precious in yours also. Remember that John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're so quick to judge poor Jonah. He was given a commission from the Lord to go forth and deliver this word of judgment and wrath. And he ran the other way. And and from the moment that he started running, everything in his life spiraled out of control. And when he came to his lowest point, he cried out to the Lord. And he said when my soul fainted within me remember that the soul is the mind the will and the emotion it says that literally when he came to the point when he gave up his will when his will died when he said Lord nevertheless not my will but thy will be done I miss you I miss your presence I'm remembering what it was like in your presence when his soul fainted within him when he finally said not my will I'm giving up my will your will be done immediately God got him back on track and immediately God delivered him from his running Jonah finally makes it to Nineveh he walks in he proclaims the word of God here is what would seem like a very strange looking crazy little man walking through the streets crying that in 40 days this city will be overthrown Who would believe that? This was a great city. It literally took three days to walk across this city about 60 miles wide with a population of about 120,000. And that is likely only the men because back then only the men were counted in the census. That wouldn't be including their wives and children. It's estimated that this city probably had about a half a million people in it. And we've got to recognize the depths of the wickedness of this city, Nineveh was founded by Nimrod, one of the most wicked characters in the entire Bible, who was actually the first biblical archetype for the Antichrist that appears in scripture. Nineveh was a center for Ishtar or Asherah worship, who was the female counterpart of Baal. The worship of Asherah was marked. By sexual immorality, promiscuity, and child sacrifice, it was a land known for the murder of babies, the shedding of innocent blood, the torturous treatment of their enemies, wicked, vile sexual immorality, the worship of Baal and Asherah by the shedding of the blood of children was always greatly condemned by God throughout Scripture. This city from its foundings was evil. Everything about it was evil. Everything it had ever been or done was evil. It was immoral. It was violent. It was vile. Who would want to save this people? No man, not even Jonah. That's why he ran. Wanted this wicked people to be saved from their judgment. Surely they were just too evil. Surely they were a lost cause. Surely they deserved annihilation. Yet in this do we see God's great love and justice shine forth. That even though all that would count themselves good saw no good in this people, including Jonah. Yet God, who is just, still made a way for them to choose repentance. These people were wicked from birth. They were founded in wickedness and they knew no truth. So God sent them a preacher. Is God trying to send you to someone that you've already determined is a lost cause? Because you see, God made a way where there was no way to get the truth to them that they would be without excuse. For how can judgment justly come unless a warning first be given so that the choice to reject it be made? Yet we see here what no one expected. They did what no one thought they would. They made the right choice. They repented. Their sin was pointed out and the judgment for it was made clear and they truly and sincerely repented. This was probably the largest revival recorded in scripture and Jonah, this assuming preacher, had run from it. He almost missed it. How many times do we miss the opportunity to awaken a revival in the waiting because we have lost our heart for the people that are closest to us? We've determined that they are hopeless, a lost cause, too vile. There is no chance of salvation for them. But God is making a way to bring forth the truth of repentance. We just got to be willing to give them the whole gospel, the truth, the judgment, and the way of escape from it. How many times have we given up on someone? Or a whole group of someone's and deemed them too evil to be saved. Immoral people, politically wicked people, violent people, people that worship false and evil gods. People just like the Ninevites or maybe even not even as bad as they were. Yet God sent a preacher to the Ninevites to offer salvation and they were saved. Is God calling you to do the same yet you are turning and going the other way like Jonah did? Are you making yourself their judge before they have even been given the justice of the truth? God is a just God, and he will bring judgment on the unjust. However, for the judgment to be just, he must first provide a warning and a way of escape that they might choose whom they will serve. Because too often we decide that someone is hopeless or useless to God when they are the very people that God is calling us to minister to. We think they deserve judgment. We think they are too far gone, but God knows the truth. Oftentimes, the people and places that we see as a waste of time, God sees as a revival in the waiting. After all, what is your purpose but to reach to and to preach to the lost? And if that's the case, then where is your mission field? But among the hopeless. Because who needs hope more than they do? Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope that the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority the very purpose that grace is given is that all men might have the opportunity to be brought to repentance and salvation and that it might teach them that they are to deny all forms of ungodliness and worldly lust that it might purify them and sanctify them and make them a witness and a testimony of the power of our Christ. God, we come to you today and we pray for revelation, for our hearts to be awakened to the Nineveh next door. Lord, that we would see the revivals in the waiting, among the weak and the destitute and the poor, among the homosexual, among the atheists, among the political opposition lord among those mothers who have had abortions Help us to see the Ninevites, Lord, that are destitute and broken and in need of the truth and cause us to have a heart that will not run away in fear because that we know their wickedness and have already decided their judgment, but that we would run to them and offer the way of escape from it. That we would be willing to love them enough to tell them the truth, to let that love cast out fear so that we would run to them and say, look, sin must be judged judged. God is just. And when we walk in sin, we bring judgment upon ourselves, but there is a way of escape. There is repentance. We can change. Look at my life. Let me give you my testimony. Let me be a light in the midst of this dark place that you've been living in. I know you haven't seen the truth, but let me demonstrate it. Let me show you the love of Christ. Let me lead you to a new life. Lord, give us a heart for the Ninevite. Lord, give us a heart for the drug addict down the street. Lord, help us to get down on our knees and beg and cry and plead. It's so easy to pray for the faces that we never see, but it's so hard to be broken for the ones who've come against us personally. Lord, let us lay down every offense and began to walk in true selfless sacrificial love. My friend, I commission you today to take some time to pray for people who have personally hurt you and attacked you and slandered you and come against you because that is what you are called to do. Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you. And to bless those who despitefully use you. This is where the true love of God gets to shine forth. And they get to see that there is something different in those who serve this Lord, this Jesus Christ, this man of great love and compassion. Let them see the fruits of the spirit manifested in your life. Don't let it just be lip service. Don't let it just be a show. Don't let it just be about something so far away that it's not even real to your heart. Let it be sacrificial today find someone who's hurt you in some kind of a way. Someone that your heart might tell you is a lost cause. Someone that you might say, you know what? I've tried to reach them and they cursed me and they spit upon me and they slandered me and they gossiped about me. But today I'm going to commit to fast and pray that God would get through to them because they might be my revival in the waiting. Lord, give us a heart for the person that used us. Help us to pray for those who abuse us, cause us to cry out and to fast and to pray for the Muslim and the Buddhist, to weep and to wail before the Lord for the homosexual, to bear a burden of intercession for those who have endured the shame of abortion. To pray every day for those who have fallen away or been led astray by false doctrines, religions, or traditions of men. Lord, let us not have a hard heart towards them, but let us cry out in intercession. Because your word says that first of all, let intercessions be made for all men. Because you came to save all men. It is not your will that any should perish but that all should be brought to repentance and your word says that if we pray anything according to your will we have confidence that you hear us and if it's not your will that any should perish then we know that that is a prayer that you desire that we pray every day because it is your heart's desire that all would be saved you make a way of escape for everyone they just have to choose to take it Lord, let us be willing to take the message to them because even in judgment, there is mercy when the truth is given. Lord, give them a heart of repentance, but give us a heart that's willing to love them enough to bring it to them. I pray today, Lord, that you would open our eyes to what lies right before us in our own towns, in our own neighborhoods, in our own families, even Lord, in the places that we've been, that you might call us there again and say, now shine your light, be a testimony, be my witness. Lord, help us to love the least of them. Help us to see the soul of the Ninevite and not just their sin, not just their wickedness, but how much you love them, that you died for them. And that if you were willing to sacrifice, to show forth your love for them, then we ought to be willing to reflect it, to bring the message to them. And God, we know that some will reject Every man has to work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. And we all have to make that choice ourselves. But Lord, let us never make the mistake of choosing for them and thinking that it's too late or that there's no way while all the while you're saying today is the day that I will awaken your revival in waiting. If you'll just be my light and bring my truth to the Ninevite that the ones who no one thought worthy might receive my word and become a testimony. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, but more than that, a heart that loves enough to cast out fear because Jonah had a reason to be afraid. He had a reason to run away. But today, God, we ask that you would give us a love that overcomes, that even in the face of danger, we will say, Lord, we're going to run to it because we believe that you are able and that you desire to save the wicked, the vile, the destitute, the broken, and the poor in our Nineveh next door. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos,